Hi, this is Elaine. We've hosted guest experts on impactparents.com every week since 2011. And since 2017, they've been podcast style interviews. Now we're dipping into those archives to share these fascinating conversations with leading world experts on the Parenting with Impact podcast. Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's Elaine Taylor-Klaus with Impact ADHD, your online resource for parents of complex kids. And we are thrilled to welcome our guests today. Today, we have the two Michelles, Michelle Gray and Michelle Cooper. Welcome, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. We're pleased to be here. Thank you for having us back. Oh, we're so thrilled to have you. Let me tell you guys about Michelle and Michelle or the Michelles. They have over 25 years of combined working experience together. They're both professional organizers. And a number of years ago, really over 10 years ago now, right? They came together to pool their knowledge and experience and, and really wanted to do something towards empowering children with the organizational skills that they would need to become more successful in life and at school, both at school and at home. So they created the Student Organizers of Atlanta, and I personally can attest to their method and their design and their approach, Um, created some great stuff that really resonates with children using animals, and they offer several services. They speak to parents in special interest groups and then work privately with families to help them create the kind of of structured, organized environment that really works in, in homes with a true understanding of our complex kids and how that may need to be different in that arena. So the studentorganizers.com founders, Michelle Gray and Michelle Cooper. Welcome, ladies. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much, Elaine. So what we're going to talk about today is just this, is organizing students for school success. And, and we're going to really hone in a little bit on that issue of organizing complex students. So start us off. Tell us where you want us to start this conversation. Um, I think what's really important is that as parents, it's so easy just to have everybody in the family sit down at the kitchen table and have the same homework routines and monitor everybody all at once. And regardless of whether you have complex kids or not, we like to send the message that it's very important to first understand each child's individual needs. One may need more breaks than another. One may need complete silence. One may need music. One may, all of the, and what each child needs are very, very different in terms of what would make them productive in that homework time. When you add in the complexities of anything like LDs or ADDs or anything along those lines, it becomes even more important that you take time to step back and figure out what each child needs and and realize that it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And we, we wanted to stress another thing about the different family members. Not only is every family member 
operating differently, their brains are processing differently. But we want to stress also that when a complex child lives in a household, it becomes a family affair to assist that child. And it's not as though we can just throw these complex children out into the world to try to fend for themselves. It is a family affair and everyone needs to support the efforts of the complex child. We wanted to just emphasize that because so many people just think that, you know, coming up with a solution is just throwing money at it. And it's not. It's hands-on with most of the whole family helping. Yeah, well, the the term that comes up to me is the notion of why can't they just, right? So often you have one parent or a grandparent saying, well, if they would just, and it doesn't work like that. I can't tell you how many times I quote you on that, Elaine, all the time, (laughs) that word just. And I also think that it's hard. It's a very fine seesawing balance between being a helicopter parent and being a parent that knows that with complex children, that their involvement and hands-on support is needed mm-hmm. to help them and to, while they're forming habits and figuring out how they work best and creating the self-awareness and, be, you know, being having to be more involved with a complex child than a typical child, but yet also knowing that you don't want to be the helicopter parent who does, hovers and does too much either. So it's hard to find that rhythm, but it is important mm-hmm. to try and find that balance. Yeah, absolutely. It's a dance, right, that we want to support without enabling. Um, And we know we have to support a little bit more, but we also need to prepare them for independence. We want them to be able to become independent and to be able to do things on their own. Exactly. One of the things that I learned a while ago, Michelle and I have talked about it, and we mentioned it in a recent webinar that we did, is especially now that we're at the very start of a school year, is to ask each child what is one thing that I have done for you in the past that you are willing to take on yourself? Mm. And that's something that I heard a long time ago and I try to do with my own kids. And that way, not only do you get their input and some buy-in, but you're focusing on just one thing at a time. You're not asking them to do, you know, 10 new tasks that you've always done, but let's, let's pick one. And, you know, which one are you willing to try and take ownership of? Oh, I love that. And can I just say to all of you listening out there that I did not pay them to say this. And this is what we <laughs> no, you focus did not. On all the time is this notion of just taking aim, take aim on one issue. And I love what you're saying. And that's, it's not just telling the child what it's time for them to be responsible for on their own, but really getting them to decide what they feel like they're ready to take on because that ownership and motivation will be key to their success. Exactly. I think what we've learned in our experience through the years is that the kids are being told either by their teachers or parents or tutors or whoever's in their village, you know, do it this way, do it that way. You need to set up your folders. You need to use your agenda. Well, in the meantime, what's being left out in some of these discussions is the why. You know, why is this important? How will this help you? And taking time to get, you know, to explain that piece of it um, is very beneficial as well. Right. Along, and along the same lines, yeah, along ahead. the same lines, it's also good for the parents to hear, to really hear and listen to the students' needs and preferences. When we set up organizational systems for these kids, a lot of times we'll stop and sit back and say, wait a minute, is this what the child wants? Is this what you want? And a lot of times the child will say, well, 
if if I have to, and it's not that's not going to work. We have to go back to what does the child, what does a student want out of this new system, mm-hmm. and then are the parents hearing what he really needs, and can the parents go along with that? So along with the line, along the line of explaining why you need to do things, the same is true for parents. They need to understand why a child wants a certain thing also and becomes mm-hmm. a very good technique for learning communication skills because right. you know most of the time parents don't really know how to listen to their kids for real so it's it's an exercise in communication that we find is very helpful yeah it's a really powerful strategy is to shift from trying to convince the kids to doing it a certain way to asking the kids and helping the kids discover for themselves what actually works for them Exactly. Right. And then along those lines also is that taking it a step further, it's interesting to ask what the goals are. When we ask the parents what the goals are, we ask the child what the goals are. (laughs) A lot of times they're kind of on the same wavelength, on the same page, but not exactly. So it's interesting that one student would say something like, I mean, I don't know, I'm getting all A's, you know, what more do they want or whatever the the case may be. And, right. And the parents might say, oh, but all A is not enough. You also need to be captain of the football team and you need to be captain of your debate team and you need to be doing some volunteering on the weekends, too. So, they, you know, the parents have all these heightened expectations and they've not been communicated to the child. The child feels like they're meeting all the goals. What else do they want from me? So, it, again, it's back to that communication of what is the end goal that both sides are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. So that's always helpful to start with that, too. And for the parents to recognize that realistically, when it comes to these complex children that we're referring to in particular, that we all know that developmentally, they're several years behind kids of the same typical age as them. So it's important that parents recognize that an 18-year-old child really is more cognitively functioning at a 15-year-old level. And so the expectation level needs to be adjusted because obviously what you would expect from a 15-year-old is not going to be the same as an 18-year-old. So it's important for them to recognize that. Right. So really shifting expectations is is the language that we would use, but really helping parents set set realistic expectations to meet the kids where they are, not where they think they should be based on Right, right. And then celebrate successes that way versus I think a lot of what Michelle and I see as well when we're in people's homes is it's typically parents tend to go in the negative direction and take things away from a child Mm -hmm. as opposed to making things more positive and setting those, you know, let's set some very clear specific goals and then let's reward your efforts along the way and and make it a much more positive experience than a negative one. Mm -hmm. Right. And also we run into a lot of kids who negative consequences don't mean anything to them anymore. They just don't care. That leads into the whole motivation issue, which is a whole nother topic in itself. But when a child is not motivated to make changes, to make improvements, then the negative consequences don't matter. So we've heard, so what? Take away my phone. I don't care. Take away the car. I don't care. But, you know, then what do you do? So it's much better, we find, to do the positive reinforcement and let them learn the idea that if they set a goal and they achieve it, then they get rewarded for that. You know, it boosts their self-confidence, their ownership of the task at hand, and it is a positive experience rather than a negative consequence. Well, absolutely. And and what what I would add to that, what we often say is the solutions are in the successes. Because once they have a success in one area, you begin to say, well, what worked there and how do we map that over to other areas? And that must work incredibly well in your area. 
Oh, no doubt. Even in my residential organizing, I always ask the question, what's working well? Because first of all, not only do I not want to mess with something that's working well, but let's build that off. If that's working well in this area, then let's take that same concept and apply it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And success breeds success. Exactly. Cool. So. All right. What else you got for us? Well, we wanted to just start with the basics that we probably should have started with to begin with. (laughs) And that's that there are certain elements when we help a child, Mm -hmm. there are elements that we will examine and try to change. So we like to refer to it as a recipe. What we've got is we're trying to make a chocolate cake, right? And so we're going to have all the ingredients and then we're going to have all the directions and together those will, with a followed recipe, you will make a cake. So with a child, we have identified the ingredients to be organizational systems that we'll come back to in a sec, and then also the directions of how to do everything. And in the end, what you have is an organized, hopefully satisfied, self-confident student. So really quickly, we'll run down the list of what are the ingredients. And say this say a little differently for me to understand the ingredients to what? And to a child's organizational systems and what would allow them to be in control of their, not only their or their academic life, but personal life as well. Great. And of going back and forth between home and school. So it includes their planner or agenda, mm-hmm. their backpack, their notebook system, their locker and maintenance of that, home, their desk and homework area, their supplies, and then paper storage of, you know, old notes, tests, etc. You know, all of those need to work seamlessly together, just as ingredients in a real recipe need to work in order to get the desired outcome. So we work with those ingredients and add in the directions of how are they managing their time and doing their homework? What are their homework routines, their backpack routines, maintaining those areas, managing steady locations, especially with complex kids. It may be more than one location for various uh-huh. reasons. All of those, you know, they're going to use their ingredients in different ways that we need to honor. Again, this goes back to just knowing that each child is going to use their ingredients differently. Each one is going to have what may look different than their siblings or their best friends. And so it's important that we hone in on on those more in a very specific manner to come up with the, the routines that should be organic to what the child thinks and processes. And well, what so, we do, what they bring us in to do, is to figure out what does their recipe look like. Mm-hmm. And we want to get to that chocolate cake. So we go in and we figure out what are all the ingredients of organization looking like for them. Mm-hmm. And then what are their current directions looking at doing, addressing? And so then we have to come up with a recipe that's specific to the way they think, the way they process information, the way they process stimuli in the world, and the way they typically behave. And we get into a little bit of a cognitive approach with that, but we look at their unique thinking style, and then we write the recipe um, with their collaboration. We write the recipe, and every single person we've ever worked with is going to have a slight variation of this recipe but they're all going to make a good chocolate cake. Some might have fruit in them. Some might have whipped cream on them. Some might have sprinkles on them. You know, so every student's going to have a different recipe, but they bring us in to make that recipe with them. So that's that's kind of what our business is. I want to sort of pause us for a minute because we just have a few minutes left and let people find out more about how to how to reach you or find out more from you. And then I want to come back and ask you a question. So so tell people again how they can find out more from you too. 
Our website is comprehensive in terms of our list of services and information on things that we have going on, like our soon to um, our back to school workshop that's in a couple of weeks. All of that is on our website, which is www.thestudentorganizers.com. And there's also contact information there on how to email us directly and or call us to reach out to us personally. And while you, you work locally in Atlanta, Georgia, I also heard you say that yes. you, sometimes you're doing webinars and some other things. Things, so parents who are who are in other parts yes, and we are users. branching out virtually to offer our services um, around the country through virtual means, so that mm -hmm. we can assist further. Well, I can vouch for that right. that being a, a really strong need. So I think that's great. Yes. Great. So you can yes. reach Michelle Gray and Michelle Cooper at thestudentorganizers.com. So I want to bring us back to what we were talking about just a moment ago, yeah. because this issue of yeah. um, the recipe, right? You have your tools, you have your processes. And at the beginning of this conversation, you talked about what we would call taking aim, right? Choosing one topic. And I, I can imagine a lot of parents heard that long list of tools you suggested and the list of different activities. Mm. And, and there's a sense of overwhelm because there's so many things that need to be done. So when yeah. you have this long list and you have this recipe, what's the advice you give parents? We, how do you take aim? That's a great question. That's one of the only bullet points we had not yet mentioned, so thank you. <laughs> we start with the foundation. The foundation is the time management and planner piece, and let's start there, and then we slowly build a little bit at a time and working with the child on what that would look like, but we really feel like that's the starting point of making sure that they know what to do when and have a snapshot of their entire life represented into their planner to make those kinds of good time management choices. And then we, we go further, you know. How do you deal with it for the kids who don't what? do well with a planner? Because we know that some kids, and we often talk about, let's look at making sure yeah. you're capturing homework, not necessarily using a planner. Because a planner is a structure, but it doesn't work for all kids. So, so how do you modify that? Well, there are certainly a lot of really good um, apps, and we do use them and lean on them when necessary. But at the end of the day, we feel strongly that they should try and learn the skill set on paper first, and we will work with them. We will customize it to make it look um, and work for them in a personalized manner. We also encourage, because handwriting can be a challenge, to have fun and be creative with coming up what we call their planner vocabulary. So, you know, a capital T means test, and, you know, they don't have to write out complete sentences, but let them come up with their own vocabulary to at least learn the skill set first. And if it doesn't work, then we'll look at accommodations and whatnot. But we try to customize it to a very simple method and probably not even necessarily use the one that the school gives out if it's too complex for them. Great. And we also will have them, as much as they're going to hate it, we have them learn the task of doing this on paper. Once they have convinced us that they have conquered this task, which could take many months, but hopefully it doesn't, then we will design a system that will be digital for them if they would like. Right. But we first want to get them to learn the skill of writing it down so they get the concept. They can see it, they can touch it, they can feel it, and they need to experience what their time looks like, what their to-dos look like, and so forth. And that's very hard to do on a single screen on a phone or a computer. Mm -hmm. So when possible, you really want to get them to do that, that tactile learning right. piece first, and if not, you modify it. Well, right. Plus, it's important right. that they recognize not just what their academic commitments are, but also 
what their, you know, what their soccer schedule is. When is mom's birthday? So I know that we're going out for dinner that night and I won't be home, you know, won't have much homework time that night or whatever may be going on. It's important to look at it that way. So we say that the blogs and websites and electronics, you typically only, only seeing one tree in the forest. That way, so it is important to, to master the concept of getting their whole life entered into one arena, you know, one place, and then going from there. Great. All right, ladies, we, we have to wrap it up. Any final words of wisdom or, or a little button to put at the end of this conversation? I just think, you know, it's a, an anxious time for everyone. Another school year is upon us, but know that there's a lot of good resources out there and don't go at it alone. It's so important to, to build your village with the right people to help support each and every member of the family and to bring in the reinforcements when necessary. Beautiful. Love it. So, ladies, thank you again for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Our yes, guests, thank you, Elaine. Thank you. Oh, and it's good pleasure. luck to everybody. Our guests have been Michelle Gray and Michelle Cooper, the founders of thestudentorganizers.com. And they're professional organizers who've really created a, a very wonderful system and model for helping students learn how to, how to manage themselves. So thank you for being here. To everybody who's attending, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Know that your presence here means you are, you are listening and learning and making a difference in your family's lives. And we appreciate you, you tuning in here and look forward to talking to you the next time. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.